Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. All right, so today we are talking about Superman speeding bullets. I remember the very first time someone told me to read this. They were like, you have to read it, Keaton, and would not tell me what the plot was. They're like, you just got to read it, and then after you finish, you're going to call me and we'll talk about it. I was like, what? He's like, you're going to buy this particular comic, and then you're going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. And he gave it in a way like, it, it was like a, a prophecy. <laughs> and like, oh, like you're going to want to talk about this. And so I remember when I first, even looking at the cover, I was like, what's happening here? Is, what, what's going on? Is Batman like flying around? And sure enough, he was. <laughs> so this, this comic is very interesting. Of course, this season, everything is Elseworlds. And this comic is interesting because Kal-El, lands in still lands in a field but instead of the kents finding him it is thomas and martha wayne Woohoo! uh and of course he gets raised by thomas and martha and then of course things are just going happy-go-lucky they are the perfect happy family and then it goes awry because because that's how it goes for the wayne yeah. And in Gotham. Everything yeah. goes awry in Gotham. So Superman Speeding Bullets came out in uh, 1993. It was created by J.M. Mateus and Eduardo Barreto. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun <laughs> because... And this is what makes Elseworld stories so interesting to me. A lot of the times that they'll make a switch and the protagonist has something different about him. But do you ever notice that whenever the, they do that, the side characters also have something super yep. different about them as well? Yep, yep, yep. And that's what that's what makes it a lot of fun. Like even when I think about Flashpoint, in Flashpoint you had all of these different characters that were completely different versions of uh, of themselves. Like in Superman Red Sun, it's like Hal Jordan's just still a regular pilot. Mm-hmm. Or and he has like a jetpack and yeah. You see the ripple effects, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, I agree. That's, I think that's some of my favorite part too. When it comes to Elseworlds, alternate reality, all that stuff is yeah, being able to see not just that character change, but how how it changes all these small little things within the universe. What I love about this is the biggest difference. The Wayne's dying and how it happens. I think mm. we talked about it a little bit before because they do the growing up montage. That's really wonderful because they talk about how uh, Thomas Wayne teaches him that violence isn't the answer. And it's mm-hmm. all about being an intellectual and being smart. And then on the other side of that, 
Martha Wayne is constantly teaching him just compassion and a love for people and like a yearning for humanity. And and so they raise him to be a great kid. They're doing a great yeah. job parenting him. He just lives an extremely sheltered life because they're keeping their secret little alien baby at their who, who they can mansion. Also, yeah, secret little alien baby who they can tell, okay, there's something different about him and we don't fully understand it all. Right. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's be a little careful, which is fair. Uh, but uh, I think actually a really good point too in that he had very few supports. In fact, I think at one point it talks about how he's pretty secluded. So despite the great parentage, he does get lonely and like Alfred is his best friend and confidant. And and yeah, so you you essentially have so he's Bruce Wayne, which hurts my brain. Um, <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> it's it's confusing. so confusing. So he his name is Bruce Wayne because he's their Bruce. Um, so my head hurts. But uh, yeah, so this is Bruce Wayne, even though technically it's Superman, Clark Kent right. character. Right. So this Bruce Wayne still has kind of certain things that would make life different, like having a butler and the money and and the notoriety of the parents. But you're so right in terms of this piece of the kind of seclusion component that you have your parents murdered. So you still unfortunately have once again, this Gotham style ending of his parents and in how in them dying. And yeah, that's going to hit a little bit different for him compared to the Bruce Wayne that we know. One of the funniest things about it that I noticed, I'm like, okay, so in this comic, Batman is rich and he has superpowers. <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> normally people are always picking like, Batman doesn't have any superpowers except for all of his money. And it's like, now he has both. <laughs> so ha! Right, right. <laughs> you happy now? <laughs> right, like, look, what's up? You got something to say? I didn't think so. But <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting because I don't know if this is the impression you got, but so, so like, like, Keaton, you were mentioning you get to see all these side characters and and how they change and and interestingly because I expected them to have this new Bruce Wayne interact with the normal Bruce Wayne characters, but aside really yeah. from Alfred, they actually pull in all the Clark Kent characters and somehow all of them end up merging into Gotham and shifting yeah. from Metropolis. And yeah, I was it's shocked just, by that. Yeah, it's a very interesting kind of transition of things. Yeah. And with with that, with his interactions with these characters, you actually get to see how his because you have Batman and Bruce Wayne just like you normally do, the the, right. the two parts of him. Yes. And yeah, it's very interesting cuz I don't know if you got this impression, but it seems like Bruce Wayne is a much more active character in his in society. I did. I did pick up on that. Like, people love Bruce Wayne. He's not just the weird jerk playboy that people <laughs> don't really like. People look up to him. Like, he's yeah. a he's he's a symbol of hope. Yep. He's a symbol of hope, which honestly, it's funny because Batman, despite being having his issues, people in Gotham see Batman as a symbol of hope. They're just like, sure. you know what? We might just make it through this. We got Batman. And in this, they're saying that, but it's about Bruce. Yeah. 
And in fact, when Lois Lane first encounters Batman, she she sees him as, quote, a dangerous psychopathic animal. Right. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ooh. Um, versus Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely interesting, all these like little nuances that are different. And I, I think when you hit on the fact that he has more of this isolation before the trauma, I bet that comes into play with a lot of that stuff. And, and how some, obviously part of it just being the personality of Clark Kent being there, but also just that isolation piece. What's interesting is he still doesn't, he never goes through like a, a training montage or anything like that so when mm. the waynes when the waynes die as he's crying and this is something i always thought was super cool with with this comic his heat vision activates and joe chill is no more joe heated yeah <laughs> joe uh, thawed joe thawed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. there we go yes oh yes. we're bad people it's a oh, comic man. it's not real life Whatever. No, but that's funny. No, Joe thought. I like that. Uh, yeah, he, but it, it activates the heat vision and then it proceeds to just play out where Alfred raises him mm-hmm. and wants him to be more than just locked up in his house all the time. But it is, it is really funny because you constantly think of the Bruce Wayne character and he's not that character, especially after yeah. he meets Lois, mm. who is just Lois. Like I they didn't really mm-hmm. do anything to change Lois. She's still just like I'm going to fight. Like I'm going to like, I'm yep. going to fight these guys. I'm going to get the best story ever and that's going to be that. Uh The only difference is she moves to Gotham and works at a paper there instead yeah. of staying in Metropolis. Yeah. So Bruce like in order to fight corruption, he goes and just basically steals all the people from the Daily Planet to work at the Gotham Gazette. <laughs> <laughs> And Money. That's, that's still a Bruce. Nice. Yeah, that's still a very Bruce Wayne thing to do. I, it's true. I, I I feel, but I really did enjoy just this aspect of him just being a a a, a rich philanthropist, but then he has additional trauma happen that causes mm-hmm. him to take on the Batman persona because he's just kind of minding his own business, and then Alfred gets attacked. And within the mansion. Yeah, within the mansion. And you know, and I feel like there was the 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 villain had like an umbrella. I didn't know if it was supposed to be the penguin that was doing it. Like I feel like I remember the villain having like having an umbrella or something. And uh yeah, I could I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I I thought that was like a nod cuz they they really don't show on a lot. They they really don't show on the any of Batman's Rose Gallery. Yeah, they kind of shift it a little bit. Yeah, they really shift it. It takes Bruce back to the alley. Yep. And he snaps. And it's really interesting when you, I I think when you have like that trauma that reoccurs and and, and puts you back and gives you, it's funny how trauma can give you the exact same emotion you felt from a prior time. Yeah, it, when it comes to... Just our memories in general, they are very powerful. They're not perfect. We like to think that our memory is written in stone. It's not perfect, but it is very powerful. 
And it's meant to help us learn and connect similar experiences to one another. But unfortunately, when something really terrible or intense happens, sometimes it can kind of get stuck. And um, there's actually, unfortunately, the more traumas you have over time, the more likely you are to have struggles related to trauma. Because like you're saying, they kind of tie in and connect to one another and build on top of each other. And you have those emotional connections. It's not always the case. We have, unfortunately, plenty of people out there with plenty of trauma who are doing just fine. Unfortunately, fortunately. (laughs) Wish you guys didn't have the trauma. Love that you're finding a way to work through it. so it it doesn't necessarily mean that things break down for you, but yeah, you're so right that these traumas layer on top of each other. And this is a really good illustration of that where he is kind of chugging along in some ways. And then you have another violent event that infringes upon his family and this one even within his own home. And he's essentially like, oh, hell no. And and it ends the same way because the thing is with Joe Chill, he didn't mean to he didn't mean to mm-hmm. to kill him. But with the subsequent people, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you you meant to do that. You yeah. <laughs> like that's not that's not okay. And what makes it even more interesting is there's nobody that's really there to say, like, you need you you need to calm this you need to calm this down you need to reel it in like there's Slow no roll. right there's no justice league out there that's like we should go check on gotham city right there's <laughs> nothing he's still even if they did he's still superman and in this universe we never really see kryptonite so for all we know yeah. he he might not even have that weakness like i'm gonna assume he does yeah but he might not even have it but it's such a different it, it's such a different symbol once he takes on the mantle of Batman. Because he kills, people are just absolutely terrified yeah. of him. Yeah, you know, it's I, I found that very poignant, where they don't explicitly say it outright until the end of the comic. But essentially, through the entire thing, they are looking at the fact of, of hate and pain. And trauma, like you were referring to before, being behind the symbol of Batman, which is, of course, not untrue of our original Batman, but they're really, at at the end, they say it most poignantly, where essentially it's a symbol of hate. Mm -hmm. And shifting from a symbol of hate to a symbol of hope, they literally shift him from Batman's uniform eventually to Superman's at the very, very end. Which is him more embracing the Bruce Wayne side of himself in in the superhero form, um, which yeah is is very interesting because that's not, I mean Batman is feared in in you know our kind of our reality as we know it yes, but he's not a symbol of of hate and pain yeah. in the same way that you see here and and yeah there's just. There are these slight variations in terms of how he had to be brought up because of the superpowers and then how that would impact how his parents were taken from him. He also, uh, by the way, what I found intriguing, too, is he must have had a different reaction to them dying in the moment because Joe Chill turns to him, says, stop crying or doesn't 
like that he's crying or something, and yeah. then attempts to kill this Bruce. Yeah. And shoots him, which we know doesn't happen in the original storyline because Bruce would be dead. Mm. Uh, so they even actually in that moment innately respond differently to the tragedy as it's happening in front of them. And all of these things kind of layer on top of each other to make the symbol of Batman mean very different. Well, maybe not very different things, but definitely different things um, between this storyline and, and our main storyline. You know, part of me wondered if that was because at the time all of it was happening, he wasn't fearing for his life. Like every time mm. he encounters anything in this book, it's like he knows that he's Superman. He's fearing for the people around mm. around him, and it's like if you it, and it's almost one of those things like okay, it's one thing for you to be trying to kill him, but it's almost like he snaps and becomes someone else and goes really dark whenever someone's going after someone around him. Mm. Well, also think about the level of of shame and guilt. That I would imagine our mainstream Bruce Wayne probably feels some semblances of shame and guilt just in terms or or wish in terms of how things might have gone differently. He's definitely he's not exactly not stuck in the past himself. I mean, come on, he dresses as a bat right. based off of all this stuff. Like we know he's not normal, okay? Right. But he was a eight-year-old boy or however old year old boy. He didn't have superpowers. This Bruce Wayne has to live with the fact that, granted, it wasn't truly coming to fruition yet. It wasn't fully understood, those powers and whatnot. And trauma responses, I don't care how many superpowers you have. You still have your fight, flight, freeze responses in terms of when, when these life and death or threatening situations happen. Your, your brain and body, unless you are highly trained in a certain way, is going to have its natural responses. Superpowers or not. But he has this layer of, oh, crap. I Maybe I could have done something. Yeah. And that can add a layer for people that really makes it difficult to move past the trauma. I feel like this comic had a big theme of just reoccurring trauma, too, because on the other side of that, Lex Luthor is in this story. Yes. Oh, Lex. And he... Looks a lot more in in this one. I feel like Let's looks a lot more like Wilson Fisk, like the Kingpin. That's thank you. I kept thinking he, he looked, looked like somebody, but I couldn't put my finger on it. You're yeah. so right. This is yeah. This is not a uh, he's not a cut a uh, a cut and suave Let's Luther. Nah, in, he just looks like he'll this. he'll barrel right through you, which which yeah, I actually which kind of appreciate. Does. That matches his. Personality. He, he actually does. I feel like they really did go about making him into the kingpin because at one point yeah. he walks up behind two guys and just lifts them up and snaps their neck. And I'm like, okay, are, does he have superpowers? Like he's huge, but <laughs> they they touch on the fact that he like barely survived an exploding mm -hmm. factory or something like that. Chemical factory, and you're yeah. like, mm -hmm. it was a chemical factory, right? As soon as they say chemicals, I'm like, oh, you know, God. you know. Oh, here we go. Was it was it Ace Chemicals? Like like you know like they didn't they didn't like, like yeah like what are they like what are they making? What were they working on? Because it's they say it and they don't really touch on it. But then later on near the end of the comic, he says a statement like something along the lines of, 
I didn't. You're. It's like you're right. I I wasn't unscathed. Like I did. Mm. I did change. That did change me, and it just made me think about what happens when people don't take care or handle their trauma because he essentially Mm -hmm. so he he basically becomes the joker in this by the end and it's like oh he's He's even wearing the purple gloves and everything yeah like it's like oh now he's been the joker all along and he's just kind of kept that part of himself hidden and it just made me think about the fact like i feel like that really happens like when people don't take care of their trauma or don't seek help for it it ends up just compounding Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and getting worse and, and worse and worse until it becomes something that's I feel might be ma- way more difficult to manage than mm. if they had gotten it looked at or yeah. worked on in the beginning. So you essentially saw the Joker fully coming out for him as a as a manifestation of him trying to hold all of this in. And and trying right. to keep it under wraps, like everyone around him. I think he says at one point, you know, they didn't want people to know how bad it truly was. And yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It may, just made me think about, it. and it, like, like it makes me think, like, uh, if he had just went and gotten help from like Doc Brown, like as soon as that happened, <laughs> like maybe we wouldn't be in this Joker S situation, yeah. right? You gotta you gotta be careful though, actually, because when it comes to trauma though, and I mean we're talking about a trauma too that that's layered with the complication of some very significant physiological changes. That's true. So, you know, there there's that to keep in mind too, which I wonder about people who actually have these kinds of traumas happen to them. What do they think about these characters where it's like, oh great, so now visually they look different. So they're gonna turn bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder I wonder how people in real life feel about that. But you you actually you have to be careful when when a traumatic event happens because one of the things people think about is, oh, okay, so not talking about things can be a problem. Which is true. You're absolutely right that if we repress things or if we don't find our ways to process, to cope, to find our foot forward to kind of work through the background noise that starts happening for us as we're we're trying to make sense of a situation. If we don't find a way to do that effectively, absolutely, it compounds on itself over time, building and building. But one of the things that they said was, okay, so then when people have a traumatic situation, let's make sure they all talk about it right away. That can actually be very harmful. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. I- that makes that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, there are so many different ways of needing to process things. And, and think about how something is when it's super fresh. It's literally happening now or it just happened. Yeah. You can be super overwhelmed and just there's a lot going on. For some people, they'll do better if they have the opportunity to talk, to process through, to share about things. For others you're actually increasing the potential for them to have some sort of like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or other uh, difficulties and disorders. So you actually have to be very mindful. And when they do things like um, doing crisis response and, and that sort of thing, you have to be very mindful because, yes, you don't want it to compound. And then at the same time, 
the solution might not have been for someone to sit down with Lex Luthor at, right after the injury and say, okay, talk through the entire trauma that just happened to you. Yeah. 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 Cause you're, yeah, you know, when you said that, it kind of just makes me think about whenever you, you see like trauma portrayed in film or even, it, I mean, it possibly in real life, I've never experienced this myself. But you'll hear whoever the doctor or social worker or therapist, whoever it is, just saying you can talk whenever you're ready. Like yes. it's not something mm-hmm. where they're 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 pushing it, which exactly that does make. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things that can be kind of a tricky balance because you want to make sure that people have the help and support if they need it. And people like Lex Luthor might be particularly stubborn and not utilize that when it would be useful but on the flip side when it is provided yeah you want to make sure that there are choices and options in terms of how that's being provided because if it feels like there's pressure to actually talk and share and go over things at, right afterward or, or even in the process of you know trying to cope with it you can actually do harm rather than good but yeah I'm glad you've you've picked up on that because that that is the best way of the help is here. Right. Make sure you're doing what you need to do so it doesn't compound on itself. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to rehash the trauma right away. Or even you you may not need to go through it in detail at some point. But you wanna yeah, with Lex there was definitely a burying kind of thing happening and then whoop yeah. all of a sudden the Joker popped then out. I, yeah, it was like a, a- big time like code switch like oh this is not Lex Luthor anymore this is this uh-huh. is something else because he didn't seem as conniving and cunning in this either it kind of seemed like he was just I buy everything I want and you stay out of my way or I'll have you killed like it was it's all really yeah. just like he, he wasn't the he was very different Lex Luthor in that he wasn't the mastermind thinking five and six chess moves ahead yeah right you never really see that so here's my thing. What I would have actually liked to see with this storyline, if it played out. So, I mean, this is one longer issue. But if it was like a huge, a larger storyline that they expanded more, I, I think it was kind of a missed opportunity because I agree. It, he felt watered down in terms of Lex Luthor, but also watered down in terms of the Joker, in terms of that yes. conniving component. And I think you could put them together just like the Superman, Batman situation happening in this. Mm-hmm. You could put the Lex Luthor Joker together and have a truly terrifying villain. Yeah, you absolutely can. And in the comics, in like in like comic books or like TV shows, whenever Lex Luthor and Joker have been working together, it is it is terrifying because it's like, okay, because Lex Luthor always seems to know, like, I am the smartest guy in the room, but you can't trust that guy because he literally just does not care like he just he's a wild card and you never know what to expect and so he's he's one of those people that actually kind of really watches himself hard around the jokers it's like okay we have a common goal but at any given moment your goal might just switch and you just might say oh screw it i'm just gonna kill everyone and and that'll be that and it would be it would have been interesting to see almost to see both of them almost as like a uh, a Harvey Dent or 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 Two Face mm. type character, where it's like you you see the the two different Lexes this time, and it's like okay, the, there's one that's definitely more chaotic, yeah. and then there's one that's a lot more cunning and collected. 
You know, you know, <laughs> the, the, the Lex Joker combo to me has a very Watchmen or the boys type. Oh, man, this world is a goner. <laughs> yeah. That's the feel I have when I think about a true combination of those two. That's true. That's true. It's like, what would it, who what would that be like? Ozymandias and the comedian, yes. I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, yeah. Gosh, Oof. we have we have not talked about. I don't think we haven't talked about that on the podcast yet. But my goodness. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it, there was a lot that I think they could have done with it. It it would have been cool if they had done a a bit of a series. But I do think it's funny that when he decided to be a symbol of hope, it's like, oh, now he's just Superman. I'm like, I know. Like, I was like, Psh. Okay, like what? Whatever. You just change your costume. Like go. <laughs> How about you go to a therapist? How about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then maybe change your costume because it very, it really felt like you've seen the the joke online where people are like, oh, instead of therapy, I'll just dye my hair. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's what it felt like. It's like oh, like look, he he just he let this one guy live, and now he's in a Superman costume. All is right in the world. And I'm like, no, he's killed like four people. Like, y'all should actually <laughs> maybe look at that. Like, he's definitely killed several people. Well, and I actually thought that it was going to lead into him just doing things as Bruce Wayne. That's where I thought it was going to head. And I I feel like, and I, yeah, because I thought it was going to be like, okay, I'm just going to hang up. I'm just going to hang up yeah. the cape because I'm clearly doing more good in this world yeah. as. Bruce Wayne, the philanthropist that cares about Gotham, instead of just running, flying around, beating up people. And so it, it just. But you know what? I think one of the things that's highlighted so much in this story, and, and Lois even points out to him, is he enjoys it too much. He's getting something out of the, the pain and the violence and the whatnot. I don't. I, Yes, it would be better to to hang up the cowl and just be Bruce Wayne, but I don't think he can give it up. I don't I don't think he could he could give up the fact it's like, well, you know, I've got these superpowers and I mean, I I can still do some pretty decent damage without killing people. So, yeah, but it's also going to be that much harder, though, to uh, hide your secret identity when you're like. Cause you're not, he's not even wearing glasses. Like he's at, like Bruce Wayne doesn't even wear glasses. Think people are going to be like, Oh wow. Bruce Wayne jailed his hair and he can fly. Like it's, it's, it's going to be, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. It's going to go, it's oh, going to go really man. quick. Gonna, it's going to be a, be over really quick. Like, huh? Okay. So it's going to be like a, like a Tony Stark kind of situation. Maybe, maybe that's what it'll be like. And then at some point, maybe somebody will ask, uh, did you not kill four people? And then he'll like, and then his eyes will go red, and they'll be like, "Never mind, never mind." No, you didn't. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter will catch him, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't oh, think God. no one will say it to his face. But yeah, it was a it was a very interesting, uh, mm-hmm. a very interesting read. I would like to th- like because this comic it, it came out thirty thirty years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and so I would I'm really interested in 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 seeing or thinking like how if if that comic were like rewritten today what changes they would they would make to it you know like i'm i'm yeah. wondering if they because i feel in the last 30 years i feel like we've gone such a long way when it comes to recognizing mental health issues and things mm-hmm. like that i really wonder what it would have been like 
if they had done that right then. Because if you think about Batman's story, I feel like you never really hear about, oh yeah, after he saw his parents murdered, he went to a therapist. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, they don't really... <laughs> I, I think that one's on Alfred. It might be that one. That one might be on Alfred. Like, hey, get this kid some help, maybe. I mean, like, Leslie Tompkins is around. She's not a therapist, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got like these these parental figures, and I wonder <laughs> if it, it's almost like she's a healer, and so she's there to help. And it's like physicians different, yeah, than than a mental health provider. But yeah, and Bruce uh, is also good at hiding it. Even as a kid, it seemed like when you see him as a kid, he's still just like yeah, cool, calm, and collected. That oh, that would be a great comic. Is can you just imagine the little shit that little Bruce Wayne would be in therapy? But you get him one of those like really great therapists that just takes him on, just like uh, in um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like that kind of oh, therapist who be, who's like, all right, let's do this. That'd that be would fun. be amazing. All right. So uh, coming soon, Bat Therapy is writing a comic. There we like, go. Yeah. But yeah. And we'll be... get sued. <laughs> <laughs> we can maybe we can get permission. Maybe you there know, you go. podcast is growing. Warner Brothers, we're here. Hit us up. up, right? Uh, but yeah, this is this is a a fun a fun and very quick read. So yeah, if you get a chance, yeah. check it out. It's definitely it's uh it's on the DC Universe app, and then you can also just Amazon it. Do we have? A mindful nerd moment for today. Always. Always. So, yeah, I was trying to think of what to do. And what I came up with was one of the ones where you see a character struggling. So it's like, okay, let's help them struggle a little less, hopefully. Okay. So this recurring theme, it seems, for, I don't know what to call him. Bruce Wayne, Batman, Superman person we can call we can call him bruce Bruce. we'll call him bruce it just feels wrong but it does so so for bruce one of the struggles that he seems to to have on repeat is something bad happens he starts getting angry or um is just one like you were saying before compounding that trauma and whatnot and his heat vision comes out to play so what i was thinking that we could do is let's pretend we're in a scenario as bruce but the bruce who has heat vision (laughs) so we'll pretend that okay we're in a situation that heat vision is coming out and essentially like we've done with some other ones where it's okay how do we how do we just kind of rein this in not so much to take away the heat vision but to make sure the heat vision is under his control Okay. Yeah. So so we're we're post Lois Lane bringing us over to the the hopeful side, and so we're trying to not let our heat vision just roast everybody. Okay. They are bad. Okay. Here for it. All right. So I don't really have like a specific scenario in mind. So let's just pretend there are some bad guys. Something bad's happening. Someone's being a villain and all that whatnot, and. You can just feel that heat vision starting to rise. So we'll just kind of do a gen- a generic kind of situation. 
Um, so sit uh, in a comfortable position. Close your eyes if you're comfortable. If not, just let your eyes fall and on nothing in particular in the room. Uh, let them unfocus. And to help us get into the mode here, first, just focus on your breath. Notice what it feels like to breathe in and out. You don't really have to change it in any way. Just experience it. Taking this moment to really hone in on that one point in your body or that one experience you're having of the breath. And as you're breathing, I want you to shift into the mentality of Bruce. So this Bruce of Superman speeding bullets, you, you're Bruce, you are dealing with some villains, and you notice, uh-oh, I'm feeling that, that feeling again, that anger, that hatred, that pain inside. Notice what that feels like. And notice how with that feeling as it builds, you're noticing some red hot heat building up behind your eyes. And fortunately, you are fast. So in the blink of an eye, you can expand this moment into an hour, into days if you want. And you realize what's happening here. You feel that heat behind your eyes. And you use your speed to your advantage and you zip yourself out of that space for everyone there just for a millisecond. But for you, you're taking a moment. You zip out of the room and you take a few deep breaths. Breathing in. Breathing out that pain and anger and hatred. Breathing in. Calm. Cool and collected, breathing out that heat and hatred. <sighs> breathing in the calm, cool, collected. Breathing out the heat and the hatred. <sighs> and as you do this, you notice that the heat behind your eyes, it's still there, but it feels more within your control. It doesn't feel like it's going to just hit anything in front of you, but you notice that it feels like you have more purpose and control behind the heat, behind your eyes. And now that you've taken this moment and you've come back down a little bit, you feel more in control of that heat vision, you zip back into the room to deal with those villains and they don't even know you went anywhere. We're going to shift out of this mindful nerd moment. But first, just take a few deep breaths, appreciating, patting yourself on the back for managing, controlling your heat vision, making sure that the heat vision is working for you and you're not working for the heat vision. Pat yourself on the back. And when you're ready, allow your breathing to shift you from being Bruce to being you, sitting where you are, listening to the podcast. When you're ready, open your eyes. To move yourself around a little bit, just get adjusted back into the room, and we'll see, Keaton, what you thought of this one. I liked it. I liked it. It really felt like a uh, like it it a lot of it a lot of mindfulness that almost feels like it's dealing more with 
panic and and sometimes fear. This mm-hmm. felt more like uh, anger management. Mm. It felt it felt a lot more like uh, anger management or uh, or uh, self self like a self control type uh, yeah. type thing. Like I'm getting heated. I need to take a break. Mm-hmm. I can come back later, but right now I need to get some air. Yep. Come back, calm down. Now, and and that uh, honestly, that one happens quite a bit. And the thing is, I feel like whenever we we talk about mindfulness, my mind instantly goes to anti-anxiety, mm. anti-stress, anti-fear, but. I don't think about mindfulness in, I don't think I think about it enough when it comes to anger, right? Uh, Because so many, yeah, because so many times when I think about anger, I'm thinking, don't let someone get you riled up. Don't let Mm -hmm. someone make you angry is what you want. But I don't really think about the fact of you're angry now. How do you handle it? How do you? get away from it especially when in but like when it comes to terms of mindfulness and you never really I've never really pat myself on the back whenever I've had to walk away and Mm. take a breather I've never really pat myself on the back for that because in my mind it's like oh got angry and it's like but that's like a normal human thing that's completely okay but you, you also can't stay that way yes Right? There's a difference between anger and aggression. Anger okay. is the feeling. Aggression are specific behaviors that can happen due to us being angry. Right. And so what can happen is I love that you're you're pinpointing this because yeah, we don't pat ourselves on the back for taking the opportunity to feel our feelings and to pause in that moment to allow those feelings to get us where we need to go. If we don't pause, that anger is more likely to turn into aggression, which is essentially things like heat vision, creating a Joe Thawd, right? (laughs) So it's important to take those pauses, take those moments, and to see that as success. Because yeah, it's not about not feeling angry. Because just like happiness, excitement, sadness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, these feelings tell us something. And so, okay, what is it telling me? But in order to know what it's telling us, sometimes we've got to bring the level down a little bit. And so if you're getting to heat vision level, you need to take a pause. <laughs> Time to take a, yeah, definitely need to take a break at that point. Um, That's, yeah, I really, I really actually like that. And I honestly, I almost feel bad for not ever really associating mindfulness with calming down from anger right mm. like well and, and keep in mind because how sometimes we use things like calm down or control or stop prevent but some of it's more about actually giving anger our attention So let me pay attention to the anger. I'm turning toward the anger. I'm paying attention to it. Yes, that results in the anger coming down and being more manageable, but it's not so we can just shove the anger into a closet, pretend it wasn't there. 
but so we we can figure out what to do with it next. So the heat vision, it's not that the heat vision itself is the problem. It's the heat vision going off willy nilly without Batman, Superman, Bruce being able to control it. That's the issue. Right. That's a really that's a really good point. I really like that. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. And I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.